Welcome to Nerd Sports. Today we're going to talk about the delicate and meaningful sport of cornhole. I get down with some cornhole, man. Yeah, everybody does. But the fact that they have sponsored professional leagues. That kind of amazes me. Right? And it's even a collegiate sport at this point now. And then dudes get serious, like... Yes. I mean, and they are dead on balls accurate, right? I mean, these dudes are putting spin on the bags, knocking other dudes' bags out of the way, or, you know, they're 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 arcing it with a spin so it grabs their bag, and when it, you know, like if it goes in the hole, it grabs their bag and pulls two bags down. I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah. It, it's really, really, really strange when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, see, but when it gets to that kind of skill level... You don't want to play with those kinds of people because when you're playing cornhole, for me, that's a drinking game, right? I mean, yeah. it's not necessarily like, oh, you do like things golf. to drink. Yeah. You know, you, you get out there, and you, it's like a beer a hole, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The last time that I on, on, honestly went out and played an earnest round of golf, I shot a 79. So, I broke I – broke you know, I broke the 80, the, the 80 barrier, so I'm like, I'm okay. I was pretty torched that that afternoon, you know, because we, we got there pretty early. We hit the driving range, and then we loaded up our bags onto the carts, and we just took off. After, the, you know, we, we get to the first tee box, everybody cracks their first beer, and away we go. And it was great. It was a it was a beautiful rant. I actually had the, uh, the opportunity to shoot a 76, but... <laughs> By the time we got to the 18th hole, man, <laughs> I was uh, I was a little uh, three sheets to win. I was a little less for the wear, and uh, yeah, I three putted. <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll get into base uh, basket uh, baseball, but basketball, uh, the finals are happening. Yeah, the finals are happening, and. You know, I thought I thought for sure that uh, that the uh, the Suns were going to run away with this series. Yeah, but, but the, the, Bucks the Bucks are, are up three games to two, and it's yeah, going into Game Six tonight. One one win away from the NBA title. Yeah. So uh, have they even came close to winning? I think anything? I think I think Phoenix has won one, but I do not believe Milwaukee has won any game. Or you know any finals, you know any, any championship titles at all. I could be wrong on that one, but um, yeah, I mean if if it uh, if it's necessary, they'll play Game Seven on Thursday. So it goes. Uh, so the series will shift back to Phoenix. Oh, they did ha- uh, win one in 1971. Okay, all three right. conference titles, sixteen division titles. That was all in the 70s. Yeah, really. so. But well, that's they, back when men were men. Yeah. Women could be women and sheep were scared, so. Especially in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's watching from Milwaukee, I do not apologize and I bring it. But all in all. Uh, so far, I mean, everything that I've seen from it, I mean, it's been a pretty entertaining series. Um, so, you know, I mean, either way, I, to be honest with you, I, I think this NBA Finals, while it celebrates the mediocre teams, and I say mediocre, 
but you, you don't have the super teams. You don't have the Lakers. You don't have, uh, you know, you don't have the Brooklyn Nets in there. You don't have teams like the Warriors, you know, or the Clippers. Uh, well, the Clippers weren't a super team, but you know, it's like the LA Clippers are kind of like Los Angeles area's JV team, so to speak. But uh, well, in football news, the uh, Steelers signed former Charger uh, defensive end Marvin Ingram to a one-year deal. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think here as far as football news. The only other – well, there's a couple of football news. Uh, Drew B. Uh, uh, tampered uh, to make NFL comeback. Arm feels worse now than ever. So I'm talking about Drew Brees. Uh, at any point, yeah, Drew Brees. Yeah, no, he retired. Yeah, he was. Like, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a- after the playoffs, uh, after the uh, Saints lost to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last year in the playoffs, I think it was the um, the NFC Championship game, or not the NFC Championship game. It was the NFC Divisional round. Um, you know, the, the Fox was following Drew Brees off the field, and just before he walks into the tunnel. He puts his helmet back on, he turns and he looks, and then it goes like that parting glance. Um, that no, last, Drew, last yeah. ride. Yeah, yeah, that, that, hey, it was a good ride, thanks for the memories kind of a deal. But, uh, you know, I think Drew Brees just kind of needs to stay away from the, the Joe Montana, uh, Brett Favre syndrome, and just kind of ride ride this one off into the sunset. Let, let the Saints uniform be the last uniform that he wears. Because New Orleans is basically, they've moved on from Drew Brees. I mean, they're going to be thankful for the one title that he brought to the city. But for the most part, he just needs to hang it up. If anything, take a season off, spend it with your family, get reacquainted with your wife and kids. And then maybe, you know, maybe 2023 season, he needs to, you know, get an announcing job somewhere with Fox or CBS. Wasn't there a football player that actually tried to get uh, reacquainted with his wife and it ended up being to where she just hated him? You know, that might be just a little bit more common than you think. No, that was just recently, I think. Yeah. I forget who it was. Maybe. But, I mean, any time, man, you know, what I – any time that I look at, like, professional athletes, whenever they – you know, during the off season. Every marriage, regardless as to what your profession is, every marriage is going to have its ups and downs. Uh, you see this a lot with the military, especially, I mean, you know. It's when you come home from a deployment or you come home from the field or something like that, and, and it just kind of seems like the, the, the home front has moved on without you. Uh, they've established their own pecking order, and then here you come back into the picture. There's always that adjustment period, but especially with deployments, that adjustment period is a little bit more painful than it needs to be because depending on, well, I mean, and it's not exclusive to just Army wives or, or, or military wives. It's military husbands, too. There's a lot of infidelity there. and You have no idea. I almost made a gold bar from all the wedding rings I found in the bathroom when I was in deployment. It wouldn't surprise me, man. It, it just... Uh, there are some people in this world that are just not suited to the military lifestyle, and that's all there is to it. Well, a lot, in my opinion, uh, a lot of people get married really, really young. They, and and, yeah. and ide- uh, ideology, you'd want 
like probably about 30, 33 when you get out of your... Yeah, see, and I got married really young. So my first marriage, you know, we, we were both young. We both made really dumb decisions. And our, our marriage, unfortunately, didn't, didn't work. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, I guess, one of the lucky few people that can kind of honestly say that, you know, 20 years after, 20, 20 plus years after the fact, my first wife and I were actually friends. So we get along, we converse, and I mean, even though, even though our kids are grown, you know, we still, we still have that, that friendship because we both had a very long overdue heart-to-heart kind of a thing, and we both buried the hatchet and realized that, you know, yeah, while we take responsibility for our actions, we were both young and stupid. And you'll see that a lot, especially with the professional athletes. You get a lot of that money, and, you know, a lot of these guys, they, these professional athletes, they've got kids that, you know, were born during, like, their collegiate years or whatever, or uh, especially football players or basketball players, you know, that they'll have kids while they're in high school kind of a thing. And, you know, they'll, they'll step up and they'll be like, hey, you know, do the right thing, try to get married and, and, and keep that family unit intact. But the money and the prestige that comes with being a professional athlete, especially these these uh, first, second, and third round guys that get drafted in those high, you know, those early rounds, they get those multi-million dollar contracts as a rookie. And that and it just goes to their head. And it especially goes to the spouse's heads too because they get used to that. Um, a lot of times it's just the notoriety when you go like to a restaurant or something like that. And then when they get divorced from that person and they try to go to the same restaurant, they go, Oh, they don't give a crap about me now. So, there's always that. Yeah, and it is. And that's exactly right. But, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, you see a lot of that. And I think that it's, and, and I don't want to be wrong on this, but from... A lot of what I see, because you don't really see a lot of that divorce news in the, you know, that those divorce headlines in the news so much anymore. So I'm, I'm really hoping that it's going, it's swinging the other way as far as that trend is concerned. So, you know. Well, they got better news stories now because they're usually doing all the political news now. Yeah, true. really sad. Yeah, I mean, true. It's, there's that, but at the same time, you're, you're still... I mean, especially the higher profile athletes like the Drew Breeses, like the Philip Rivers. I mean, well, Philip Rivers is <laughs> this dude. This dude, I'm telling you, he is a uh, he was a fertile individual. So there's there's that whole thing there. But um, anyways, moving on. So uh, uh, yeah, baseball news. Uh, there was a game in Washington D.C between the, the Padres and the Nationals. And uh, I believe it was the fourth inning, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there was some shots that were heard, and they weren't exactly sure where the shots were coming from. So they the players came off of the field, and uh, fans were being ushered out of their seats. Now, this is one of the few classy things that I will ever give Manny Machado 
who plays third base for the Padres. I'll ever, I, the dude's a he's a dirtball. It was just pure, plain, and simple. I just think he's a complete douchebag. But oh, wait a minute! No, police say three people were wounded in a shooting outside the Nationals Park. Yeah, so it was outside. That sent play, uh, players and friends scrambling during the game. Right now, I, I'll you know, <clears throat> Major League Baseball made the right call here. They evacuated the field and they emptied the stands as much as they possibly could. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, who both play for San Diego, opened up one of the uh, the gates by the by the team's dugout and were pulling fans into the dugout for safety. Yeah. That's a class move because at that point, it's not about players versus fans. I mean, they're all human beings and life needs to be protected. Pure, plain, and simple. So they... They, they stepped out of their, hey, I'm a superstar athlete, and I'm just now being a decent human being. So they pulled fans out of the stands and were pulling them into the dugout for safety reasons and pulling them into that tunnel. Because at that point, you're erring in the way of discretion. You don't know exactly where the shots came from, if it's, if it's a gun that made it into the, into the stadium or if it was outside the stadium. Nobody's taking that chance. So good on them and I don't expect to ever hear anything positive about Manny Machado for the rest of the season because you know I think that that was his one good deed for the year hoping that he still can get into heaven uh, I, <laughs> I mean because the, the, I mean, as far as I'm concerned Manny Machado he, he's not deserving of the contract that he's got he's responsible for ending the careers of a couple of different players because he he likes to slide in dirty uh, most notably there was a singular play where he basically, for all intents and purposes, ended Dustin Pedroia's baseball career. He went into a slide into second base to break up a double play, but he went in cleats high and took out the knee of Dustin Pedroia, and it never he never recovered. So Dustin Pedroia retired from the game as a player. He's got an artificial knee, uh, and he, he cut a very talented individual's play, uh, career short. And it was one of those situations where he refused to take responsibility for it. Uh, Dustin Pedroia, without completely calling him out and saying, yeah, it was this play, uh, during Dustin Pedroia's uh, retirement speech, when he would, you know, officially had his retirement ceremony at Fenway Park before a game, he said, uh, I had a wonderful career with the exception of one play. Everybody in the park knew what he was talking about, but... Dustin Pedroia being the class act that he is, didn't didn't want to call out Manny Machado for that particular reason. So, you know, uh, the, the, the <laughs> for me the singular defining uh, definition of get you know make, making things right in the universe, the final out of the 2018 World Series, you know, where it's Boston versus uh, Los Angeles. Manny Machado at the time was playing for the Dodgers. Dodgers were down to their last out. It was game six. Chris Sale comes in to close the game, and the last pitch was in what Chris Sale's words were the hardest breaking ball he's ever thrown in his career. Strikes out Manny Machado, and he strikes him out with such ferocity that he basically took Manny Machado out of his cleats, and he went down to a knee. And if you look at the still photo of that final strike, it looks like he's spelling the word out K, or the letter K, out with his body. So it was like everybody was just like, yeah. I mean, I can, I can remember watching game six with my kids and my dad. And when Manny Machado came up to bat, 
everybody in the house was like, this dude needs to strike out to end the series because that would just be great. I mean, that would just be justice right there. And Chris Sale got the job done. But um, but it, uh, moving on from that, it was uh, Red Sox-Yankees weekend. Yankees managed to actually take two games out of the three scheduled games. It was actually supposed to be a four-game series, but the first game on Thursday got rained out, postponed. Uh, they're going to make that game up, I think, next month. But um, the first game, the Yankees managed to win a six-inning rain-shortened game. Uh, they basically played in a downpour for that sixth inning. Uh, some, I mean, and, and this is not me as a Red Sox fan because the game went the other way. This is me saying, as, as just a fan of the game, the officiating in that series was horrendous. Yeah, because aren't you supposed to get out of the game once it starts raining? Well, or if it's once it gets to a certain point and the, and the field becomes untenable, it becomes a safety issue because that's hard-packed clay on top of what they call diamond dust or diamond dirt, right? Uh, it's like a dirt-clay hybrid mixture, right, that they lay down. Plus, there's some drying agents and stuff out there. Um, the game did not need to go to a sixth inning. It, it just didn't. Um, Major League Baseball screwed the pooch on it by not, you know, post, you know, not suspending the game because of rain. They could have, you know, at that point, could have pulled the tarp over the diamond, let it rain, and once it stopped raining, did everything that they could to get the game started. Now, there have been instances in the past where the rain has not stopped, and Major League Baseball suspended that game for that day, and they resumed play from the moment that they stopped play the following day and basically treated it almost like a doubleheader, so to speak. But they didn't do that. But I'm talking about the officiating. Uh, the home plate umpire was calling, calling balls on, as you're looking at home plate on the left side of the plate, a good 6 to 12 inches outside the strike zone was calling it a strike all night long. And it was just, it was horrendous because Garrett Cole was on the mound for the Yankees. And everybody's like, oh, well, you know, he was on the downward spiral because after they banned the sticky, sticky substances for pitchers, his ERA went through the roof because he wasn't able to put guys out because he wasn't able to put that spin on the ball. Um, he had a bounce-back game in Houston whenever the, uh, the Yankees visited the Astros. And he had, I think it was like six strikeouts uh, against the Red Sox that night in that rain-shortened game. But it, it was just a horribly officiated series. The, the, and, the, and the umpiring crew, it, it, I mean, they, they need to be ashamed of themselves. They need to go back and look at the tape, and they need to fix that. And I'm not calling for robotic strike zones or anything like that, but it, they need to do a better job. Um, the following night, there was... Uh, they're, they, they, uh, the Red Sox catcher, Christian Vasquez, noticed that there was a bright light coming from dead center field just above the batter's eye in the outfield. Whenever the Red Sox were, on the deep, were, were playing on defense and the Yankees were up to bat, Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to go ahead. Force my way through it there, but um, it was either a laser pointer, or it, it was a 
you know, it was a recording device of some kind. So, I mean, there's, there's, you know, they, they brought it to the umpiring crew's attention and, you know, it just kind of seemed like any time the Yankees were up to bat, they were hit, <clears throat> they were hitting everything. <coughs> Excuse me. You need some water? Oh, no, I'm good for right now. If I need anything, I'll just grab that 300 up there. <laughs> but, uh, <coughs> that gun. Yeah, let me get you some water. Yeah, give me a bottle of water. But they brought that up to the, uh, they brought that up to the officiating, or the officiating crew's uh, attention. They didn't do anything about it. And uh, the, the Yankees handedly beat the Red Sox. I think it was like 9-1 to one or something crap like that um, the, on uh, Sunday night. But something of note, thank you very much. Welcome. Something of note that during the Saturday night, Saturday night game, um, there was a, a Yankees fan who threw a ball from the stands and hit uh, uh, Alex Verdugo in the back. Is he just being a douchebag? Yeah, well, this new generation of Yankees fans has caught the ire of the entirety of Major League Baseball's fans. Because the last time Yankees fans were notable, you know, were, were notorious for throwing crap from the stands out onto the field were the fans during the 60s. And it was just your, your typical dumpster fire look at us, we're, we're fans of the Yankees, and you're not. I mean, you could almost equate that to the fans of the, you know, a majority of the fans who go to the games in Philadelphia for the Eagles. Uh, and anybody who knows anything about the, the history of the NFL, uh, during the 70s, 80s, and even in the, into the 90s, anytime a team went into Philadelphia, especially if it was a divisional rival like, say, the Dallas Cowboys, the, the, the fans in Philadelphia were just horrible. I mean, they would even, like, during during the winter, whenever it would snow up there, they would take, like, D-cell batteries and pack them into snowballs and throw them at players on the field. Didn't they have, like, a riot every time they would win the Super Bowl? Uh, you mean the, the one Super Bowl that Philadelphia's managed to win? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they, they basically burned a corner of their city down just because they don't know how to act. But... Uh, well, I was talking to a lot of people that are from Philadelphia, and they said it's a shithole anyways. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia, it's a historical city, and I'm sure it's very beautiful in those historical districts. But for the most part, I mean, it's just, it's dirty. I, I don't I don't like Philadelphia teams for the most part uh, just because of the fact that the way that their fan bases act. I just, I don't, I just, I think that that's classless. Um, but getting back to the Red Sox-Yankees game with this particular incident, this fan was caught almost immediately, and because of the age that we live in as far as social media and everybody's got a camera and everybody can live stream, everybody can tweet, everybody can do TikToks, this fan was pointed out immediately, not only to the players on the field, the umpiring crew on the, on the field, but the security detail on the field and in, in the stands. And he was immediately removed from the stadium, which is what he should have been. And he's banned for life. The Yankees and Major League Baseball both issued a lifetime ban to all 30 parks for this particular guy. Yeah. So he can no longer purchase tickets in his name. And if he is caught attending a game, 
at any of the 30 Major League Baseball parks, whether they are current parks or parks that have yet to be built, if he is caught attending a Major League Baseball game, he will be hit with a criminal trespassing charge and thrown back in jail. And it serves this guy right. Now, people that watch us or listen to us know that I'm a Red Sox fan, and they would be probably quick to point out that in 2018, a fan who had a seat in the Green Monster seats threw a ball from the Green Monster and managed to hit Giancarlo Stanton rounding second base during his home run trot. At the time, I was like, that's an impressive throw, because at the time, yes, it was an impressive throw, because basically this guy from past the warning track managed to hit a, tar a moving target in the infield. But that is still a classless move. Still think that that particular fan needs to not be allowed to attend a Major League Baseball game. Watch that shit from home. But as far as purchasing a ticket or being allowed back into any of the 30 ballparks, absolutely not. I don't, and, and, and I had pointed this out to, um, you know, to my girlfriend and her, and her sister when I took everybody, you know, I took my kids and, and, and everybody to the Astros game uh, a week and a half ago when they were playing the A's. Yeah, it was a week and a okay. half ago. So, Matt Olson. Sounded like you too. I know it did. <laughs> um, it doesn't even have a bouquet. I was kind of oh. disappointed there. Yeah. Um, but Matt Olson hit a home run for the uh, for the Athletics, and everybody was booing, and then everybody started cheering, and everybody's like, you know, so everybody that it's in our section is like, well, what the hell happened? Well, an Astros fan, you know, got that ball and threw it back out onto the field. Okay. Well, I, I, I get the whole, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm being a super fan for my team, and it's just a huge act of defiance. If you don't want the damn ball, give it to a kid. Because, you know, that kid's not going to care who hit the damn home run. That's a home run ball. That's, that's a souvenir. Yeah. You know? To me, I think it's just a trash move. It's Bush League. You know, and, and I mean, because look around, look around where you're sitting. I guarantee you that there's going to be at least one kid sitting in those stands. I mean, even if, okay, say for example, if I'm at a game where the Yankees are playing, if a Yankee player hits a home run and I just happen to be the soul that caught that ball, as a Red Sox fan, I'm not going to physically touch the ball because there's not enough holy water to, to, to get rid of that burn. I'm going to look for a kid in the stands. That might be wearing a Yankee pinstripes jersey. I, you know, I'll open my glove and be like, "There you go, kid. Grab the ball. Give it to some, give it to a kid." Wouldn't you have to burn the glove too? No, because you know I could I can put oil in the glove. You know, okay. and, and and in my mind's eye, it came off a Yankee bat. I caught as far as I'm out. As far as I'm concerned, that that douche nozzles out. <laughs> you know. You know what? You know, it just reminds me of that one scene from basketball. Where uh, Mr. October uh, did his last home run and everything. <laughs> right. And he, he's and like, Coop caught the ball. He's like, he's like, I don't have your dead ball. He's like, he goes, never could find that person that caught that home run ball. I sure would have liked to have had it. And he's like, yeah, and I'm the one that caught it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that movie was entertaining on so many different levels. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the last bastions of good comedy. <sighs> yeah.
We don't have stuff like that anymore. No, because everybody's too woke. But Actually, you know, I was thinking of this to myself here recently. Uh, we don't have that kind of movie comedies anymore, but we do have a lot of TikTok and stuff like that that are basically like the old... Uh, it's like the old Vine app. Yeah. It's the old Vine app. I mean, you're everybody's doing it for the Vine. Now we're doing it for the TikTok. But yeah, um, and, and 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 you know, to me, that's tragic because series like TV series is like uh, the the Office. They just wouldn't work on today's TV. They wouldn't. <laughs> and even to an extent, Friends wouldn't work on today's television. That didn't work for me either. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Office. And it was too slow for me. Well, you know, I get it because that deep cerebral type comedy just it gets over a lot of people's heads, so I understand. It's like baseball's a smart person sport, so it's whatever. Moving on. Um, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> now, I like, I like the obscure uh, comedies like Breaking In, where you have to act, or, or uh, Naked Gun. Yeah, the Naked Gun, I mean, it was a lot of slapstick. Uh, There's a air, lot of stuff air, you airplane. had to pay attention to. Airplane was the yes. same way. Both of the movies. Yeah. But, I mean, um, you had to pay attention to it. I mean, if you didn't, you wouldn't be able to get a lot of the jokes that are in it. Right. Like now, uh, when uh, O.J. like stabbed a melon. I mean, I was laughing my ass off. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, getting back to baseball a little bit, it, you know, it, it just classless... It really just I mean, shows just how much of a douchebag you really are with something like that. Yeah. You know, and Alex Verdugo is one of those, like, renaissance players that you don't really see a whole lot anymore. He engages with the fans in the stands because he appreciates the fact that they're there, and he's getting paid to play a game. He'll have conversations even with right, you know, with fans of the, of the team that they're playing against, and he'll, he'll joke around with them. He's been mic'd up a couple of times where he's talking to fans in the stands in between innings. And he's a very popular player. He's got a great personality. But if you could read lips and you watched the telecast, I mean, the number of F-bombs that Alex Verdugo was dropping in the direction of, of that fan was it, was, it was impressive. And, you know, I mean, even, even if it was like, you know... <sighs> And again, I, like I said, it stated before, even if it was a Red Sox fan that threw and hit a, a Yankees player, ban that guy. Yeah. 100%. It, it's a, it's a no-class Bush League thing to do. There's no place for it. You stop play on the field. You, you, you stop the game. You have, at that point, directly intervened into the pace of play. You need to be removed. Absolutely, 100%. You are done. Yeah. You, you have lost your right to attend a Major League Baseball game in person. 100%. There goes so, a shot. i, I got to stop saying yeah. But uh, tonight, uh, the Red Sox, they've gone to play, play Toronto. Now, Toronto, with the, the whole COVID restrictions that Canada still seems to think that are required... Uh, Toronto has not been able to play in Toronto for the last two seasons. They have been able to use a baseball facility in Buffalo, New York. So the Red Sox are, they started a three-game series. Um, Is it really a baseball team, though? Yeah. You sure? Dude, Toronto, they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be scary. I mean, they're scary now. 
just their pitching staff is for shit. I mean, honestly, I mean, their, their pitching staff just it doesn't give them it, I mean, as far as offenses are offensively. They've got Bo Bichette. They've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I just like they've the got Boba. George Springer. I mean, the, these. I mean, it's a scary loaded batting batting order. And, I mean, yeah, the the standing their 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 win loss record right now is forty eight and forty two. Um, and they're I believe they're in fourth place, in in the you know in the division. But, um, uh, tonight. Whatever slump that the Red Sox were in here the last few games, uh, I think they figured something out tonight because they hung. It's it, it's it's right now. It's the top of the third. Boston's up to bat. They've got a runner on first with two outs, and it's already eleven to nothing. Uh, Boston. Oh wow! Yeah, they they hit three home runs in the first inning alone. One of those was a grand slam by Hunter Renfro. And I'm just like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know. And so, it's uh, yeah. I mean, e- even this this uh, uh, prospect that they called up, Boston called up uh, by the name of Jaron Duran. I mean, this guy. I, I think they called him up maybe just a little bit too early, but he managed to hit his first major league home run tonight in the first inning, um, and it, it was a, uh, I think it was a solo shot. But I mean, his first first major league home run first. First major league RBI kind of knocked him out with the same same swing, but um, he managed to get his first major league hit against Garrett Cole Saturday night in the Bronx. But um, you know, which in itself, when when Garrett Cole's on, he's on and he's he's hard to hit anyway. <coughs> but he managed to he managed to score his, you know his first major league hit. So it's going to be kind of fun to see what they do with his career, whether or not he's going to get the Michael Chavis treatment where he keeps getting called up and then put back down in the minors. Um, but uh, right now, yeah, so we'll see what happens with this series. Hopefully the Red Sox bullpen doesn't do what it did in, in, in the Bronx and kind of implode and give up leads or make games unreachable, but I doubt very seriously that we're going to get a shutout out of this, but uh, it'd be nice to see us actually kind of like win a series because we've lost the last three going into the night. But uh, with all that being said, Here, here's a weird top. God, a weird top uh, story that happened yesterday it was published yesterday by Fox News. Yeah, what's up? Athletes to sleep on anti-sex cardboard beds at Olympic Games amidst COVID. The beds yeah. are uh, allegedly designed to collapse under the weight of fornication. Yeah, okay. Now, behind that story, so a little bit of background. The Olympic Village. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's they they like have the... an inordinate amount of condoms available within the Olympic Village. And NBC... That's like was... any, any kind of deployment that we went on. They had condoms there, but you weren't allowed to have sex. Well, no, and here's the that thing. That it still happened. Right, but here's the thing. In the Olympic Village, you have all of these elite athletes. I mean, they are absolute specimens, right? Athletes from different countries are getting together, and there is just an inordinate amount of sex occurring within the Olympic Village. It's It's kind of like a... You know what's going on, but Big. nobody wants to talk about it. But NBC chose to spotlight it a little bit 
uh, during the last Summer Olympics that they had. And uh, kind of want to go to the game now. <laughs> you know, we could do curling. <laughs> I you don't. don't I, you don't I, have, I honestly you don't have don't to fornicate. Think, it's more or less just for me. I don't think that curling athletes or you know curlers are. Uh, are able to smash figure skaters or speed skaters or even downhill skiers or I, I just I don't think there's a lot of that going on because you've got these finely tuned athletes that have spent a majority of their lives dedicated to their craft and then here you got these these bar flies that come in off of trivia night with some brooms and a couple of rocks I don't I just I, I don't see I don't see that happening. I just don't. Well, how about this? We still do it, and you get to stand by and see me fail hundreds of times. Okay, I'm glad you went with the whole fail angle because I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and watch you... Succeed. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say smash because that's just... No, you just see me fail. It's like that. It's like that episode of Family Guy. But everybody likes a train wreck. No, no, let me finish. Okay. It's like that episode of Family Guy where um, uh, Lois invites her entire family over to the house for Thanksgiving, and so Peter comes up with this scheme to get put in jail for Thanksgiving. Okay. And because they're not the first ones to come up with that scheme, the jail is full, so they get sent to Rhode Island State Prison. And, and so Peter looks across the way. They're all four sitting in the cell. And Peter looks across the way and goes, look, it's going to be fun here. Look, those guys over there are playing leapfrog. But they're not jumping. And he's he's not nearly high enough to get up. What are they doing? And then Quagmire looks over at him and goes, Peter, please stop watching that. <laughs> you know? No, that I don't know why, but that I could, I could that whole see. scene just popped into my head. I'm like, oh, God. No. No, even even better. This is back when I was uh, I was dating this one chick, and uh, she pegged my, you. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> not, no, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Uh, anyways, we're not going off of that. No, my neighbor. Stranger danger. <laughs> my neighbor's husband came up to me. Is like, hey. Uh, not for nothing, and I employ what you do, but could you have your girl be a little bit quieter because my wife thought you were killing a chick in your room? I was like, well, kind of was. But, yeah. I'll get her a pocket gag. No big deal. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. But I think that's 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 all the uh, sports news for this week because uh, most of the stuff isn't going to happen until uh, next week for the Olympics and yeah, um, Game Six of the finals is tonight. So we'll find out if it gets pushed on Game Seven. And to me, when you get to the postseason for any of the professional sports, uh, those are the two most beautiful words in professional sports: Game Seven. I mean, because at that point. There is no tomorrow. There is no next game. It's it's all hands on deck. I mean, the entire bench is available to play because at that point, everybody's all in. And you really see who wants it more. And that's that's just my take on it. 
you know, game seven is the two most beautiful words in, in professional sports. I, re I, I really do. I, I, I really do believe that. Now, if the NFL were to adopt like a, a best of seven series, I mean, on God. top of the fact that that would just make the playoffs horrendously long. Yeah. I mean, I can, like, you, I can't can you stand imagine? I, that's the only thing I can't stand about like hockey and soccer and all the other sports. And, you know, in the NFL, you just get a, okay, it's done. Yeah, but the other if you sport, have a shit game in the NFL <laughs> at the wrong time, you are done. You are going to the house, and you are playing golf the next weekend. Yeah. But, I mean. The other ones, you could have, like, a draw. Like, soccer, you could have, like, three draws, but you still be in the competition. Yeah. It, it, hockey, basketball, and baseball, I mean, that's where it's at. Because you see, I mean, they play a series of games. And it's it's you have to consistently and constantly evolve and change your play, and and because you know that that other team is making their adjustments. If they if they if you beat the shit out of them the night before, they're you know they're going to make adjustments and they're going to come at you with a little bit of a fury the following night. You may still end up beating them, but you will. You know, you you're gonna know that you were in a fight because that other team made their adjustments. Baseball, I, one of the reasons why I love baseball is because it. I mean, unless it's a blowout, a lot of times it goes right down to the absolute wire. And sometimes we get that bonus baseball where we're playing extra innings and everybody's like, "Well, we paid for nine innings, and we're getting ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen innings." But to me, that's where it's at, especially when you get to things like the World Series. You get like the game six or the game sevens, and you get that high intensity drama. Everybody's either on the edge of their seats or they're not using the seats that they're paying for because they're standing up. Me, for example, whenever the Red Sox are playing in the postseason, if it's a deciding game or if it's any of the you know any of the seven games of the World Series, I'm pacing absolutely back and forth in the living room. I'm not sitting down. I'm just not. And I'm yelling at the TV. You know, like game six of the World Series in 2018, David Price got the start for Boston. What's he do in the first inning? He gives up a home run because I'm like, oh, crap, because nobody nobody really had any kind of respect for David Price because, I mean, he'd pitch out of his backside every once in a while and kind of twirl this, this gem. But you never knew what version of David Price was showing up to the ballpark for that game. So it's like, is he going to be the David Price that comes in and absolutely slices up that 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 batting order? Or is he going to be the guy that drags his gas can out to the hump and burns the place down? You know? And, and so I'm sitting there, and I, it, it's, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember who hit that home run off of him. I think it was, um, oh, I cannot remember. The dude's got a, a red beard. I cannot think of his name off the top of my head. But is it kind of like a Jerry Garcia? If you went, if you actually went to go see the uh, Grateful Dead, you didn't know what kind of Jerry Garcia. Are you going to get, get the get Jerry that that's playing everything off tempo, or are you going to get the guy that sounds like the studio musician? Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of like that. But when he gave up that first inning home run, I'm like, I'm yelling at the TV. I'm like, no, not this version of David Price. Are you kidding me? I'm yelling at the TV. And my dad's there, my uh, you know, my son Colin, my son Chauncey were there. Uh, you know, they, you know, 
they were just looking at me and I'm like, oh my God, what is going on here? And, uh, and then after that, it was lights out. It's like he had that small little hiccup in the first inning, you know, but then he pitched, uh, I think it was six or seven innings that night. And he ultimately got the win for the game, but, uh, you know, then obviously Chris Sale comes in to, you know, to, to finish the game out in the ninth and he, he gets those, he gets those three all important outs, including the strikeout of Manny, the douchebag Machado. But, uh, yeah, it, so past, past all that, man, I really don't see a whole lot of, a whole lot of sports news. So, I mean, it, it's relatively been kind of a slow week, um, and Danny Santana just hit a solo home run to make it twelve nothing Red Sox. And we already we already talked that uh, what's his name, uh, Richard Swanson. Uh, Richard Sherman. Yeah, Sherman. He uh, uh, pleaded not guilty. Yeah, that's not going to go well for him. And unless he gets one of these like absolute Johnny Co- Cochran reincarnated type lawyers that gets him off on a technicality, I I see this guy getting. It could go one of two ways, and, and the NFL really needs to be aware of how they handle this. Um, if he comes out with a guilty verdict, or if he pleads down, the NFL needs to hand out a suspension. Like, look, dude, you are suspended for the first eight weeks of the season. Yeah, because you got to basically get your freaking head right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's you, one of those you, things you I either, don't want to know what happened with this shit, but he flipped out. He did. He flipped out. Now, and here's the thing. Regardless as to whether or not some of these professional, and this is going to be my soapbox portion of the episode, okay, and, and you thought that the fans throwing stuff onto the field was it. No, no, no. Whether, whether these players, regardless of the salary that they make, whether they choose to acknowledge it or not, professional athletes are role models to kids. They are. That is just it. Because when a kid looks at a player, regardless of what team they play for, how much they make, this that, that player is idolized or looked up to by a kid somewhere. Yeah. They are a role model. If they even if they don't want to be a role model, they are looked up as such. You need to be held to a higher standard. You you once you step into that professional athlete role, you need to be beyond reproach. I wonder Absolutely. how many kids cried after they found out Michael Vick killed puppies. You know, Michael Vick didn't do it. He didn't do anything for his career. <laughs> no, but Absolutely. he still got a career after he got. He a, did now, which was he, ridiculous. He, he, he did. He he did what he was supposed to. He served his time in prison. He did his rehabilitation. And he did what the league required him to do to be reinstated. He was given a shot to play by several teams. And for the most part, he stepped in and he did his job. Um, yeah, you kind of got to give it from that one. From an athletic talent, from an athletically talent, or an athletic talent standpoint, Michael Vick did his job after. The you know a, after his crime, he atoned for his sin for the most part. Um, there are a lot of people that are not going to be able to forgive him because of what he did to dogs. While I would like to say that 
I am, uh, you know, willing to forgive and forget. The guy has been through the ringer. Okay. Now, am I going to invite him over for dinner? I don't know. I, I mean, I honestly can't say that. I can't say that I would. I can't say that I wouldn't. Because the guy did his, I mean, he paid his penance, at least in the eyes of, of man-made justice was concerned. Um, it's not my place to judge where he's going to spend an eternity. It's not my place to say that, you you know, he is or is not a douchebag. I mean, but getting back to my point, these people are role models. And they need to understand that they are looked at through a different prism than everybody, you know, than everybody else. Their lives are constantly being scrutinized under a microscope of the 24-hour news cycle and social media. Yeah, anytime you're popular like that, you're being scrutinized. Yeah, so I mean, and, and it's just kind of like, okay, so my, my, my kids, <clears throat> they wanted to watch that new Space Jam movie this weekend. Yeah. And I said, okay, <clears throat> I didn't want to watch it. Did not I didn't want anything to do with it just simply because it's LeBron James and I have no use for 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 LeBron James as a person. Okay, um, he cries way too much. He thinks too much of himself. Um, athletically, he acts well on the uh, on the court because well, I mean if you if you breathe wrong in his direction, he collapses and screams foul. Right, so I mean that's a great act. As far as acting on the screen, not so much. Now, I made my boys watch the original Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Far and away a superior film to the sequel, which is usually the case in Hollywood. Um, the first quarter, first actually probably good half of the movie for this new Space Jam movie, Warner Brothers spent a lot of time stroking LeBron James off. Like, ego and everything. Right. The movie as a whole, it was an okay movie. It had its feel good moments and it had his like, you know, it had those moments of like uh, cringe, you know. Um, and then I saw a meme today. With Nolan Ryan? No, 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 no. Oh, well, no, I did I see the Nolan Ryan one where he took the line drive off of uh, Bo Jackson's bat and then was right back in the game pitching. Yeah. And then LeBron James is having to be carried off by like four guys with a leg cramp. No, but the, the, right. the, the, the oh, meme well. that I saw was it had Michael Jordan in his Toon Squad uniform and then it had LeBron James in his Toon Squad uniform. Michael Jordan in the original Space Jam went 22 for 22 from the field. LeBron James went four for five. Even the directors of the movie knew who the real goat was. You know, I'm just like, yeah, see, that's where it's at. And, I mean, I enjoyed the movie from, from the standpoint of the Looney Tunes, from Bugs Bunny, Lowell Bunny, Porky Pig, and everything right that. You know, I mean, Porky Pig, and the, there was a scene in the movie where Porky Pig was given the opportunity to freestyle in a rap battle, right? And Porky Pig spit some fire. I'm talking about and he he was laying it down right that was a cool scene it made me laugh um, you know who does the, I think I think he still does the voice you know who does the voices for all the Looney Tunes now right uh, not now Mel no. Blanks, uh, Blanks' son 
Really, Mel Blanks' kid, huh? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, see? All right, so props. Keep it in the family. But, uh, you know, it, along that same line of that argument where, you know, kids, you know, role model, uh, superstars, athletes are, are role models. Even these like, Olympians, some, you know, they're role models. Uh, people like Megan Rapone or, uh, you know, LeBron James, they, they're looked up to by little girls or, you know, little boys that want to play basketball little girls that want to play soccer but these athletes take it upon themselves to push an agenda that is just it's to me it's there's no place for it in professional sports if you want to be that way fine like you know like I've said before in previous episodes there's a time and place for your opinion to be voiced but when you're on the field or you're on the court that's not the time because you're at work and I'm paying your wage. You work for me when you are on that court. And there's even a little snippet, like a little film snippet, a soundbite in the opening credits of the new Space Jam movie where LeBron James is quoted as saying, I'm not going to just shut up and dribble. Right? I, I caught that and I'm like, immediately, this is going to turn into a political statement. Warner Brothers, to their credit, did what they could to keep that from happening. Um, overall Space Jam I'm going to give it or a new Space Jam a new legacy I'll give it uh, I'll give it three and a half carrots out of four out of five I mean it was a mediocre movie and I think it could have been better well you just gotta think it's more or less for the kids it is it's a kids movie but the parents are watching this movie with the kids and a lot of times, the parents who are watching this movie watched the original. So there is an incredibly high bar to hit. Warner Brothers fell absolutely flat. They aimed for the stars, and I think they might have hit the fourth floor of a 10-story building. So that being what it is, I think that's it for this week's episode. Yep, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you all for watching or listening. Uh, Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button down below. Give us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Give us uh, follows on Spotify. And as soon as we get our Patreon set up, follow us on that. It is? It's up and running? Yeah, but we don't do anything on it. I need to to give you the stuff for it so you can uh, work with it and everything. Because the, the deal with Patreon is uh people can subscribe i I just want to do it with a dollar in patreon kind of like where you do like the live stuff you can do live you can you okay i think i think that what's that if we're going to do live streaming like like for example like with our sports stuff yeah okay if something significant sports wise is happening i will jump on patreon and i'll do a live stream there's there's a small problem with that, I and mean, I still need to get the programming and everything for it. Is I want us to get uh, or, get it. Or maybe to where... we can set it up on Discord. We can set it up. With Discord. Yeah, we can do a Discord. Uh, there, there's 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 also the, uh, there's a lot of stuff that if we wanted to uh, do stuff with our constituents. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I said that. Constituents. There, there we go. go. Look at you. Uh, there's there's movie things. Yeah. Oh, to where we can watch movies to to, uh, together. Words, you could say constituency. Yeah. There's <laughs> movies that we could watch together. Uh, there's like uh, movie apps. Yeah. I know Dan Cumming does it a lot with uh, scary movies. 
uh, because he has the whole uh, scary movie stuff, and I think Kevin Smith does it a couple of times. With, uh, yeah, where stuff. yeah, like especially he does his Marvel reviews. Um, I remember watching his Marvel review whenever he was doing the the his his take on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, mm-hmm. and he absolutely legitimately cried. Oh, that place during during the funeral. Kevin scene. Smith is one of those people that. He, he you is, have to meet only because you just don't realize how genuine he is, dude. He's a he was an, he's an actual treasure. I mean, he's I mean, and he's a hugger. He's he's a film buff, obviously, and but he is he is a comic book nerd. He, he's and he's very sensitive. You should. You oh, speaking seen, of movie stuff, uh, Lionsgate uh, acquired the global rights for Clerks Three. Oh, they're actually going to put it out. They're going to the Clerks Three is in production. Oh, okay. Now, now we just need to see a sequel to Mallrats with the Mallrats kids. Yeah. Which they already did with uh, uh, the Jay and uh, Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, that was funny because you had, you had Harley Quinn Smith and then the, the little kids, that was uh, Jay Muse's daughter. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was funny, but... Um, I mean, it was very well done. I, I enjoyed the reboot. And one of the one of, and the fact that they had so many cameos from these A-list actors in the reboot, just because they're like, snoochies boochies, we want to be in this movie. You know, it's funny. Uh, well, two things that's funny. Uh, they have a one of his uh, spoof movies. I it, it's one of his movies, but it's it, it's one he wanted to divvy into kind of the horror drama. Talking about Tusk. Think it, yeah, Tusk. Yeah, you know the 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 girls uh, at the convenience store. Right. One was his daughter. Yeah. The other one is Johnny Depp's. And this is the nerd portion of nerd sports. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, we're gonna wrap this up because I, I talked to Michael Kurtz today. Uh huh. And uh, is he I, upset that I don't call him back anymore? No. No, I, I did tell him though that we do want to have him back on the show, but. Uh, Oh, look at that. There goes the shutout. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. scores in the bottom of the fourth. It's still 12-1 to Red Sox. But um, I was, he, he was like, yeah, he was like, he was watching the Who We Are episode. And he goes, mm-hmm. he goes, you got some long-ass episodes, but it wasn't until I was on the show that I realized how easy it is to let time get away from you. And I'm like, yeah. I said, we really need to work on that. <laughs> but, Actually, an hour long. An hour long is going to be average, you know, but. Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, I think we can get it in just under the wire here. But uh, I'm Johnny Skelton. I'm David Dickerman. And uh, keep it classy, San Diego. Y'all be good, and we'll see you next week. And thank you for watching.